And I think so often we project these standards of perfection onto others and to the person we want to date or be in a relationship with. We don't even often hold ourselves to that same standard. And I think that is important because I think that's where the authenticity comes through. And I think we then start to align with a truer version of, of what we're really ready to step into in terms of partnership. This is episode number 530 with Jackie Chiodo. We attract what we believe we're worth. Jackie is connected actually with a former guest, and we're going to talk about that. I'm Sandy Wiener, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. I'm almost finished with my second book, so I'm getting ready to publish that one, and that's going to be all about choice points in dating. But this book is really about the three pillars of core confidence, show up, stand up, and speak up. These are, to me, what really helps us to become the person that we are meant to be in, in our lives, whether we're single or in a relationship, these tips will really support you. And I always share a tip of the day. Today's tip is step number one, love yourself first, which I was just talking to Jackie before the show, that it just happens to coincide with the topic of today's podcast episode. If you love yourself, and to me, that means know your worth and protect your values know your standards in life and in love and take a stand for them. Because if you do that, you will not tolerate people cheating on you, people not showing up for you. You'll be able to speak up early on, not get resentful. It is really the first step in having a life that is a, a value. And um, so I really encourage you this week to really look at the ways that maybe you're not showing up for yourself and Take that step to really be more you. And before I bring Jackie on, I want to invite you to join my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And it is a wonderful group of women who are really into positive growth. They all came to this group because they don't want to just complain about dating. It's really not allowed in our group. It is a place for learning and growing and opening your mind. And I invite you to join us there. And now for my guest, Jackie Chiodo is a leader in the field of mind-body wellness. Over the past 25 years, she has led thousands of clients through radical transformation. Through hypnosis, she helps people discover their worth and align their relationships accordingly. Jackie guides people through the same process that she used in her own life, to attract a healthy, loving relationship. And she's getting married very soon. Jackie believes we attract what we believe we're worth. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's such a joy and a pleasure and honor to be here. Uh, I appreciate you having me on and looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. Well, we have a client in common and um, her name is Julie. She was on the show, episode 523. And she talked about how using both working with me and you, she was able to really open to love. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit of the work that you did with her, if you can. And, you know, with other people, I know she's been pretty open about the work that she did and we're not sharing last names here, 
But um, if you can share, that would be wonderful. Julie came in with some pretty typical, what I call these sort of limiting beliefs or things that we might identify within ourselves or are projected upon us, especially as women at certain ages or stages of life. Is it too late? Did I miss my chance? And so when Julie came in, we were able to identify a couple of those little, what I call my little mind traps that were keeping her in this sort of feedback loop. And she kept saying, there's just no good men out there. And I said, well, wait a minute, we don't need men. We need just one really good one that you want to align with and feel connected to. And so we were able to go through in the process of hypnosis, in addition to the work that she was doing with you and identifying where some of those uh, mind traps or those glitches were. And some of them came back, came into childhood or we went all the way back. And what were the first examples of love, of intimacy, of relationship? But then society also tells us at a certain age, we should be married and have kids. And if we've gotten divorced, then maybe that was our one shot or at a certain age, maybe there's just no hope for us after all. And so we were able to, in working together, identify what some of those limiting beliefs were and where they came from. And then through the process of hypnosis, be able to replace them with the ideas that she wanted to live by. And so some examples were, you know, aligning with a man that was worldly that was very experienced, that wanted to give back in some way. It was important to her that she had a man that could live the type of lifestyle she wanted to continue to live. She loved traveling to Europe. Well, this man just happens to be living in Italy, right? So there were certain things that were really important lifestyle-wise that I think we sometimes overest or underestimate when we're looking for dating or love. We sometimes forget, wait, what's already working in my life? And I want somebody to be able to complement that and, and connect with it, not have to completely change who I am and what I do in order to fit into the relationship. So I know those are really important points just to highlight a few, but another limitation that we're able to overcome is she used to have a certain expectation of the type of man and qualifications, right? In terms of intelligence, or as she had said, it was really important that he had a master's degree or a certain type of education. Well, turned out what was really important in this present time of her life really wasn't that. It was really more the compatibility and how she felt with him. And then turns out this man that she's now with and in love with and, and connected to um, doesn't have a master's degree. So it's little things along the way that we we're able to identify that at certain stages of her life were very important. But now in present time, at the stage of life she's in, they weren't as significant as she thought they might be. And so thank goodness with the work that the two of us helped her through and that she was willing to do for herself, she was able to really get clear as to what was the priority right here, right now, the lifestyle that she's currently leading. And I think that's an important point to keep in mind for all of us that are out there, if we're out in the dating world, to maybe not look back who might have been attractive 10, 20, 30 years ago to us. But right now, present time, who we are and all that we've created in our lives, what would be a good compliment to us right now in present time? Those were some of the highlights that we were able to explore and, and uncover and, and connect that I think were helpful for her. Yeah, and it's helpful to hear because I think for a lot of people who are listening, we get trapped into these mind traps. And one of the things that I work on constantly with clients is to really look at their assumptions and their biases. And it's amazing how quickly we make up our mind about people that we look for, like one client is like, but he's only an inch taller than me. 
or he's, you know, he doesn't have a PhD. I used to have a client who would say, but he doesn't own a home. Mm. So you have to get to like, what's important about that? You know, mm. is that about financial stability? Because you dated somebody who didn't own a home before, who actually was in financial distress and had credit issues. You mm. can't make every single person you date have to have these requirements because that stops you from seeing the people who are right in front of you who might be a great match. When I was single, I wanted to become the person that I wanted to date. So like, for example, if you want somebody that's financially stable and secure, how's your own financial life doing? Right? So I think there's something to be said. And like, I, I like to call it in, we're calling it a reflection or an equal or greater version of ourselves really in terms of what was a healthy, compatible relationship. Do they have a healthy lifestyle? Well, if you want somebody that's healthy, check to see your own health you know, routine and what you're doing for yourself, right? Or if you want somebody to treat you a certain way, start treating yourself that way in line with the tip that you gave for today, love yourself first. And I think so often we project these standards of perfection onto others and to the person we wanna date or be in a relationship with. We don't even often hold ourselves to that same standard. And I think that is important because I think that's where the authenticity comes through. And I think we then start to align with a truer version of, of what we're really ready to step into in terms of partnership. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I used to have a meme that I created, be the love you wish to find in the world. It's, it's, we, yeah, we, we put onto other people, the things that, that are so unrealistic that we haven't even done for ourselves. And I think the point where people get a little bit mixed up with this is, well, if I have everything I need, then why do I even need a partner? So what do you say to people who are thinking that? I think, again, that's another little mind trap. And I think what happens is if we go back to our first experiences of what love was shown as, as a child, if we look back and see the quality of relationship that was mirrored to us in terms of our parents' marriage or whoever raised us, we will sometimes build up these little walls of defense or protection that says, well, that's fine. You know, I'm single, I'm independent, I'm living my life. I don't want anybody to interrupt my freedom or tell me what to do. I think it comes from fear. And I don't think everybody has to be in a relationship to be happy. But I know for myself, that was something that I lived a very great life in my single, my single years. And I really, as much as I wanted commitment and partnership, I had maybe a toe dipped in that, that pool of, oh yeah, I want commitment, I want partnership. And my whole rest of my life and being was in the pool of freedom and being able to go and do and you know adventure and do whatever I want and not have to worry about someone saying, don't do that, you shouldn't do that or tell me what to do. But I know for myself, that was a defense that I built long ago as a protective mechanism to make sure that nobody ever tried to control me or to manipulate me. So I think sometimes we say these things out loud and maybe they're healthy and they're authentic and we really mean it. But I think a lot of times I've seen this with my single friends and clients that a lot of times it's they want to protect themselves because they don't want rejection. So if they were really speak up and say, this is the love I want, this is how I want to be treated, this is how I want to feel, there's this subconscious fear oftentimes that that's not attainable. It's not realistic and they don't want to let themselves down. And I saw that even with Julie a little bit in some of the, the dialogue she would say or the narrative at this stage of my life, nobody wants da, 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 da. They're not going to be able to keep up with me. I'm going to feel this or this. And I said, well, wait a minute. That's all based on a past experience. And right now it's safe to hold on to that because it means we don't have to then set ourselves up for the possible fear of rejection or disappointment. And so I think that 
it can be great to be independent, but I think at the core of what it means to be human, we all want to be loved. We all want to have support on some level, even if it's really good friendships or just relationships with, with people that we're not even intimate or romantic with. And so I think just initially to say that there's a little bit of a defense or a guard um, because I think we're wired to not necessarily have to get married and you know live together, but to connect and to feel supported by other humans. And I think we're all uh, we're all worthy of being loved. So it it kind of hurts my heart a little bit when people put up that wall or that defense. Say, well, I don't need anybody, because it is safe to be alone. There's a lot of safety and security and just being with yourself because nobody's ever going to have to disagree or let you down. Yeah. Yeah, that's the risk we take, right? Yeah, exactly. Love. So the risk reward is uh, is how I look at it. Yeah. Well, there's a huge reward, but I think if you haven't experienced it, it doesn't feel palpable. Like you said, it's it may not be something that you've had in your past, but whether you've not witnessed it in your family of origin or the people who brought you up, or in your past experiences, or even in the people that you see. I mean, I used to look out and see unhealthy relationships, and so I stayed in my marriage for. 23 years, because even though it was sucking the life out of me, I couldn't see another option. And that's really why I got married to him, because it felt like the safe option. He would love me and I wouldn't get hurt because he loved me more. You know, it was sort of this, I was looking for that because there's this myth that you look for somebody who loves you more. And it's like, we, we have so many messed up messages in our society. But let's talk about you and some of the patterns that, that you had repeatedly um, been experiencing that led you to the same type of relationship. You spoke a little bit about saying that you wanted partnership, but really wanting freedom. Can you elaborate a little bit about some of those patterns? Yeah. And I, you know, thanks for asking. It was really, I, I think the biggest thing was I did not have any real life examples of couples, married people that I wanted to emulate. You know, they say, you know, if you have examples of certain things in your life, right, that serves to inspire you to want to create that yourself. And I was looking. And so there were many years where I said, I'm never getting married. I don't believe in one person forevermore. I think it's a construct that we've, we've bought into as a society. And if we're single, it's almost like people look at you like something's wrong with you especially at a certain age. I'm in my mid forties. I've never been married. It's like my fiance and I are unicorns because he had never been married, same age, but we were committed to our profession and our passion and our purpose. So for many years, there was this subconscious fear. Again, I wasn't fully aware of it. Although I knew on one hand, I was saying, oh, I want partnership and love and relationship, but not at the expense of my purpose and my freedom because I travel a lot for work. I love what I do. And again, I had this fear, underlying fear that I fully wasn't aware of at the time of being told what to do or told that I could or couldn't go and do as I please. And so there was a part of me while I wanted commitment and partnership, there was a bigger part of me that didn't want to sacrifice that for my freedom and the life I'd lived. And I think part of that comes from too, the societal, I officiate weddings, by the way, just as a side note. And I write these vows in a way that are equal. And so for me, it was important to find somebody equal or greater. And what I mean by that is the level of life lifestyle they were living. Were they happy in their job? Were they 
financially stable and secure. I didn't need somebody to come rescue me financially, but I needed somebody that was at least as responsible as I've been so that I wouldn't have to take over and, you know, guide and lead another adult like a child. But there was a part of me that had this fear that did it even exist? Because as I looked around me, the people that were married were complaining about each other. They all, they weren't always getting along. Some of them were just staying in it because they had a greater fear of being alone than they did of being miserable in their marriage. So I certainly didn't want that. I saw other examples of people being married 30, 40 years and again, complaining and then telling me, say, don't ever get married. I'd never do it again. It's harder work than it's worth. So I was getting all of these voices, right? And opinions and beliefs that made me kind of shy away and say, well, why would I want to go into that? You know, and then we look at the divorce statistics. I thought, well, if I was going to jump into a pool and there's a bunch of sharks and I have 50%, you know, ability to survive, would I take that leap? And so I kind of like shied away from marriage and just thought, you know, I want partnership, but I don't know if I'd ever do that. I don't know if I want that commitment because I also had a sort of belief around commitment meant I had to lose freedom which I now understand is not the case. It's a matter of the right person, right? That you're aligning with and what you agree to when you come together. Um, but the, the commitment piece, as much as I wanted it again, was not strong enough to pull me in because I started to think of that as sacrifice, right? Sometimes people get married, they're like, to become one, right? You see people couple off and then maybe they never see their friends again, or they're never allowed to go do things on their own. And I saw a lot of examples of this. I thought, well, that's, that's just not me. I'm too independent. I'm too autonomous to be codependent. And I thought on some level, if you're fully committed, that means codependency comes with it, which we know is not the case in a healthy relationship. I think so many women, especially over 40, are afraid of losing their autonomy and they say, all right, I, you know, I'm happy alone. I would like a man in my life, but I don't think I want to be married. I don't want to live with him. I want my own space. I want, and I want to protect my assets and I want to, you know, and all of that is possible. I mean, they have, you can design your own relationship. You can have living together apart and see each other on long weekends, whatever works for you. But I think for a lot of people, it's that distance that they place just so they they can make sure that they don't lose themselves, but they never fully merge with the other person either. And there's a difference between merging and codependency. Do you want to speak to that? Because I know you found your place in, in this mix. Yeah. And so one of the things that came up when, so Jason's my fiance, and when we came together with the exact same age, mid forties, never been married, never had children. And we were both very much invested, still are to our careers. He just left for two weeks to go to the middle East, to go do what he loves and, and be on tour in his field. And I, I admire that. And so when we came together, it was okay. We fully know who we are. We know what works and what doesn't work for us individually. And I think there is something really powerful when two independent people can come together and be interdependent, not codependent. And we set the terms of our relationships. He happens to snore. I wasn't going to give up my sweet space of sleeping every night in a quiet room. So right from the beginning, I said, we are going to have two bedrooms. We're the modern couple. We can start the night together and fall asleep, and then we can separate and then come back together. And then we're happy to see each other in the morning. There's nothing wrong with this. In fact, a lot of people are building their homes around this concept um, later on in life because it just, sleep is very important, right? We also sat down and said, okay, if you're wanting to have children, I said, I gave myself till 40, I'm past that. I don't see myself physically giving birth to children. I don't need to, to feel fulfilled right now. But if that's important to you, let's talk about it. 
But what we came together with from the very beginning was respect for each other and the agreement that we weren't going to try to change each other. We weren't ever going to tell each other what to do, what we couldn't do, when we could travel, when we needed to be home. And there's a beautiful thing to be said. It's like a dance where we can come and go. We can take our trips together. We can travel for work. When we come back together, that, that adage of old, the absence makes the heart grow fonder really can be true. If there's mutual respect and trust, you're not going to feel the separation, even if they're not physically with you all day, every day. And for us, we actually enjoy our time apart because it gives us time to get creative, to get our you know mindset focused and in the businesses that we both work with and run. Um, and so for me, I wanted to call in equal or greater. And I really feel like I've found that even though we are so opposite. Here's the other thing I want to mention is that he's not a carbon copy of me. We have enough different that we can keep learning and growing with each other without feeling threatened. We also don't agree on some major hot topics, politically, religiously, it doesn't matter because we're able to come to a place of listening to each other and understanding where each other's coming from without feeling like we have to change our viewpoint to get along. And I think that's a really important thing, especially when people are coming together later on in life, midlife or beyond, is that you're not going to change that person. And ideally, you wouldn't want to. Because I wanted somebody that wasn't a doormat. I wanted somebody that was so sure of himself and filled with self-love and self-respect and self-acceptance that it wasn't negotiable, right? How he showed up and who he is, is who he's going to be, which is beautiful. And so I think that's the other thing we can get sort of trapped by is we expect to change that person. And so I always tell people, clients, friends, I'm like, if you can't take face value what's in front of you right now, then, then walk away. Because they're not going to grow into some ideal image. They may, but chances are they won't. And so we just came together from the very beginning saying, okay, this is who I am. This is who I like being. And that either works or it doesn't. But we don't fight a lot. And the things that do come up, we just say, oh, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I totally don't agree, but I can understand where you're coming from. And so between those, you know, those different things, it's, it's, we're able to find an agreement that works for us and, and enjoy each other. And I think that there shouldn't be another little track that we can get caught up in life is, oh, relationships are hard work. Well, anything in life that's worthwhile, I think there's going to be effort involved, but I don't feel like we have to work and strain and force anything on a day-to-day basis. In fact, we laugh more than we cry and we play and we joke and we really have a wonderful sense of humor with each other and enjoy the time that we do have together. And I think sometimes when we're in it day-to-day and everything we do is together as a couple, that can wear, that can get old. And I think at some point it is nice to be able to miss the person and then have that spark of, of freshness again when you do come back together and sort of an inter, interdependent sort of way rather than codependent. Yes, interdependence is key. And I love so many of the things that you shared that people often are looking for their clones and they think, oh, I have to find somebody just like me. And you would absolutely kill each other. You, <laughs> like, I don't need another me. This yeah. is enough. Yeah. And it doesn't keep that mystery alive, like you were saying. I mean, that's that's what leads to erotic relate, you know, the eroticism is dependent on the ability to have some mystery that that we are not so familiar with the person that there are no surprises ever that we are with them all the time that it becomes so routine and you have to create that if you don't have the distance that you guys have 
but you really were clear about what was important to you and you didn't want to settle for something less, which I think is wonderful. And a lot of people don't believe it exists, you know, like Julie did not believe it existed. And so she kept being very disheartened when she would find men who just were boring and man, I can relate. I'm single. I had been married for 23 years and I had some really good relationships that weren't enough to sustain for longer than they did, but they were really wonderful stepping stones for me. And I am not in a relationship because I haven't found somebody who's going to be equal or add value to be greater than. (laughs) And, um, you know, just so many people who come into my life are just not that and keeping open to meeting people and not having it look like the type that you were attracted to. I mean, God, if I was with the type I was attracted to 20 years ago, I would, it would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully we're growing and evolving and yes. what we thought we needed is not at all what we needed, you know, what we need now for sure. And if you're an evolving person, then your needs are going to change as you grow and you're going to be open to it showing up in a way that you may be very surprised. And I always say that love comes in surprise packages often. It really does. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. So how did you two meet? Yeah. So interestingly enough, we were in pandemic romance. We met in May of 2020, right? Just as things were just starting to open again after that two month memory that none of us want to go back to. But <laughs> what was really interesting during that time for both of us prior to us meeting is we had gotten such emotional connection and fulfillment by traveling the world and doing our work and connecting with the people in front of us me leading teacher trainings, retreats, beautiful places all over him doing entertainment. He's a magician and motivational speaker. And so we, we realized, again, this is what we talked about after we met, but we had gotten so much emotional fulfillment from our work and our livelihood and our being in our purpose that we didn't feel like we were missing something. I think this is a key point for single people is if you're constantly focusing on the lack of where's my person, where's my person, where's my, you miss the joy and the beauty of, of all that comes with being single. And there's a lot of beauty beauty in singlehood. And like I said before, I was, I was struggling to even give that up or thought I had to give it up. So prior to us coming together, when that world shut down and took our travel and took the people that we were so used to connecting with in real time, we both had the heart to heart moment within ourselves separately, but it was kind of on the same track. There was a parallel there. And I remember coming to a, a few moments of being alone and single during the pandemic and thinking, well, wait a minute, like 
if this is it and the world has changed forevermore and I no longer get to connect emotionally to the people in front of me and, and find that fulfillment, then I want to call in partnership, but from a different place of thinking, well, I want to share my life with somebody. Well, if I was sharing it on a professional level, that, that was enough for a long time. And so I got very clear and I identified the beliefs within myself that were still keeping me stuck. And I got very clear on what my top three or four priorities were. I wanted somebody in their purpose because I'm in my purpose. They're not going to understand my passion and love for what I do and how I can give endlessly unless they are in it themselves. Not the same career because our fields are nothing alike. And yet I want them to be lit up by their work every day. I didn't want somebody coming home, complaining about the job, hating what they do, because I just couldn't relate to that, nor did I want to hold space for it. I also wanted somebody that was playful. I wanted levity. I wanted laughter. I wanted sense of humor. I also love food, and I love to cook with people, and I love to experience amazing restaurants and try new things, and I wanted somebody that was adventurous on that level as well. And these might seem pretty mundane, but again, it comes with coming into midlife and realizing what the priority is now versus in my 20s and 30s of what I thought was important. And like you had said earlier, everyone we date is a stepping stone, and I think that there's so much we can learn and, and take with us both on what works and what does not work. And so I got very clear and with my own hypnosis, I got very clear on how I wanted to feel with this person. I got very clear on old programs that I was still kind of living by subconsciously and projecting onto these men that I was dating. And I wrote it out and I, I did a session on myself and I did that for about a month. So it was April 12th that I finally, the last little glitches that I said, okay, this is what's most important. This is what I'm calling in period. April 12th, May 16th, I was out to dinner with friends, like the first restaurant opened up, we we're sitting outside. And I had such clarity and conviction. I banged my fist on the table. I looked up, I said, I'm ready for my man, like just like that. It's kind of dramatic. <laughs> we were joking about it because they'd seen me struggle in relationships and commitments and all this stuff. And they're like, wow, they're like, you're serious. I go, I am serious. I go, going through a pandemic as a single person, like all the greatness of being single had been taken away. You know, I couldn't hop on a plane, join my friends, whatever. I said, but it was more than just that. I'd been preparing for this. And it just happened to be the time. And I said, but no, I, I'm really ready. Like, I, I feel like I was dabbling with the idea of commitment. Now I'm ready to jump in full force, like full commitment. I said, bring me my man. And I was kind of joking, right? But I wasn't. And they look at me and they were so serious. And they're like, well, all we know is really married people. They said, but wait. Magic Jason, that's what they call him. They've known him for like 20 years. And they said, he travels the world. He's da, 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 da. You know, and they're like thinking of all these things. They're like, oh my God, we never thought of this before. And I said, well, it wasn't the right time before, but now's the time. So sure enough, hour later, I'm on the phone with him because he lived in Tennessee and I was down in Florida at the time. The moment I heard his voice, there was just this resonance like, oh, a familiarity. And we'd seen each other's pictures, like they sent the, I'm like, I don't even care. I'm like, he's a nice guy. We have stuff in common. And so it just took off from there. And he came down to Florida. We met in person and there was just a knowing. But what was crazy is one of our first conversations over the phone is he had read to me what he had typed out. He hadn't done hypnosis at the time, but with prayer and just meditation, he had typed out exactly what he wanted and really described me just as I had described him prior to us meeting. 
but it wasn't the typical, they've got to have this, this, and this. And maybe that's important, but it wasn't to us. It was, they respect us. They support our, our purpose, our freedom. We're interdependent. Neither one of us wanted codependency. We didn't want the commitment that was perceived as a trap or that that person was going to try to change you into becoming somebody else. And it worked. So it was kind of fast and quick, but it wasn't. I mean, I feel like we had both been preparing a lifetime. We did hold out. And like you said, we didn't settle. You know, you're not just going to settle for the first thing that comes along and say, oh, well, at least I got married. We were both very much committed to maintaining our purpose and our own livelihood and independence. And if somebody could dance with that and come together, great. But if not, we were going to be fine no matter what. And so we weren't coming from a place of desperation. We weren't coming from a place of what was missing. We were coming from a place of really being ready at a time in our lives that neither of us had been ready prior to that moment. And did the pandemic expedite that? Probably, because chances are we would have been in two different countries at that time had the world been wide open. So that was the silver lining for us that I don't know that we ever would have met or come together had the world not stopped for a beat so that we could get clear and then the time being right, we came together at the right time. So it was wow. pretty miraculous looking back. And it wasn't easy. I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of times people think, oh, once you find the right person, the pathways just open up and it's sunshine and rainbows. It, it was very difficult. Our careers were wiped out overnight. I mean, we were used to traveling and being in front of people. That stopped. We had to get online. We're both Generation Xers, and to do all the technology stuff is not in our DNA naturally. We had to learn it. But we at least had each other to support. And while our professions had always supported us, those had been ripped asunder temporarily. And so we were finally gifted with true love and support, but also seeing the ups and downs of everyday life and, and struggle. Um, that we hadn't had to do before prior to the pandemic. And so now, two and a half years later, we're finally in a place, the world is in a place where we feel comfortable gathering with people and having our friends and family. And so we'll be married uh, next month, which is, which is pretty incredible. But it's been quite, a, quite an interesting journey. Um, but those core things, and like you had said earlier on, the core values and the things that we came together with in agreement have just gotten stronger over time. And we're very different, as I mentioned. So the opposites attract, there is, there is something to be said with that. But when it comes to family and values and what's in truly important, what matters, we're completely a match. So yeah, he's not my carbon copy, neither am I his. And that, that's exciting and it's fun because if we'd come from the same world or same upbringing or background, that might work for a lot of people. But for us, we, we thrive with that diversity and, and the challenge and the growth and learning from each other each and every day. I'm glad that you brought up the hard work because, I mean, I think you, you talked about work twice in this conversation. Once mm -hmm. about, well, relationships are worth working on because anything worth having is worth investing in. And But it, it's not like labor. <laughs> it's... Yeah. But it does take time to find a way to be with a partner, to, to change your lifestyle, to navigate conflict, to figure out how to, what to do about people who live in two different cities. You know, there's, there was a lot to navigate. Yeah. The world had shut down. You were online. Your jobs had, had been lost. I mean, there were a lot of, lot of obstacles that would have 
in some, for some people that would have been a deal breaker. I mean, there are people who they don't want to travel outside of five miles to meet a partner. And I always say, you know, partnership is not necessarily conveniently located around the corner. (laughs) 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 But I, I love your story for so many reasons. And I think that it's, it's, we are, we have to be ready. The stars have to align that we're ready to meet this person and to recognize this person. Cause a lot of times these people are even in our lives and we don't even know it. You know, even in Julie's case, she didn't immediately have a love connection because he was in another partnership at the time. So, but she recognized something in him and he recognized something in her and they continued on that path in spite of the the partnership and in spite of not knowing where this was going to go it just felt special enough to continue and yeah i i have to add that i was married to a comedian by the way i don't know if you knew that (laughs) um and we we both traveled a lot for his business plus i had my own business and i agree with you because i have so much passion for what i do i really love being with people who are passionate who are who care about something who are who have opinions who are not going to put me on a pedestal because I've accomplished something and not me have me put him on a pedestal because he's accomplished in his life we should both be supporting each other and proud of each other and it is not that easy to find you know it is looking for that unicorn (laughs) but you're only looking for one yeah yeah Yeah. And, and to be, you know, and with that, no matter what stage of life it happens, as I tell myself and and clients all the time, it's never too late and it's always the right time. But you mentioned something big, if you feel ready for it. And I think a lot of times in our singlehood, we're waiting, we're wondering, we're worrying, or we're doubting. And so I encourage people use this time as preparation get yourself in the best place you could possibly be physically, mentally, emotionally, energetically, live your best life now. And that person will come along to match it, to mirror it back to you. And we don't have to settle. We don't have to have somebody put us on a pedestal because surely that'll get knocked over at some point (laughs) has been my, my, my experience. Um, I didn't want somebody that was intimidated by what I'd accomplish, but I wanted somebody that, that understood it. And they weren't intimidated by my goals and my dreams, my aspirations, because they had their own, even if they were different than mine. And I think what you mentioned earlier, too, I'm always going to be growing and evolving. I'm always going to be a student of life and learning. And I needed that as well. I needed somebody that was an avid reader that loved to educate themselves, to try new things, to learn new things, because I know that about myself. And in the past, a lot of the relationships I had outgrown. And I think that's the other thing we have to give ourselves permission is that we can outgrow people. And that doesn't mean either one of us are good or bad. It just means that we're so in tune with our own goals and needs and growth that we're not going to stunt that to spare somebody else's feelings. And I think that's important because it also speaks to the non-codependent side of things. I think oftentimes we get a partner, we think, oh, it has to be forever. And God forbid one of us grows this way or that way, or we want to move in two different directions. I don't see that as a failure. I see that as a, a learning point. And I see that people can come together for certain stages or lessons in life that then prepare them for the next relationship or the next stage of life. 
but I don't ever see, and if I look back at all my relationships, I don't look and say, oh, those were a failure. I can see where I was triggered or maybe did self-sabotage based on old beliefs. And I wasn't in a healed space to move forward with them. But I look back at every single one of my dating experiences and relationships and say, thank you. And I'm so glad I learned this from you, both what I do want, but also what I don't want. And I used to joke with my single friends that I'd weave a man quilt, meaning I'd take all the best traits and attributes and connections of relationships and then weave it into a whole. And while I was doing that, I was becoming that, right? Like, I like this quality. Great. Well, that's a quality I admire in myself. Or this is a quality I want to attract. Great. Then I'm going to go get busy doing that and creating that within myself. Because I do think that we reflect each other in relationship. Even if we're very opposite, there's some thread that brings us together, uh, that subconscious sort of attraction that plays out in a myriad of ways. And I think that self-love, self-clarity, self-trust, and self-worth is really the foundation of any great relationship. And if we're still beating ourselves up and pulling ourselves down, then we can't be surprised if we call in relationships that echo that back to us. But on the same side, if we're encouraging ourselves and we're supportive and we take time to take care of ourselves each day, that then gets echoed back to us and the love and the support that we bring in. Well, I was going to ask you for your final words of advice for someone who wants to go on their last first date, but I think you just did it. <laughs> Become the person you want to date. <laughs> yes. And it's yeah. never too late. You know, it's I think that it it's so important. And, you know, to we've, we've been fed so many false beliefs about looking for other half and finding someone who completes us. And this is so wrong and it is, it is when, not helping. <laughs> no it is really not helping Two don't become one Two no. become three the partnership the end that's another entity of its own but you don't cut yourself in half no. to merge with somebody no and most of the people who are out there are thinking that they have to give up something important to be with somebody and i think once you realize that your life matters that that you matter and that you want somebody to enhance your life. Look, I, I think the same for friendships and for work. Like I will not accept a client who doesn't align with my values. Once you're clear, you know who you work best with and you know who you don't work best with and you know who you want to be friends with and somebody who's not really showing up and investing in the relationship is not going to be that person anymore. You know, you outgrow a lot of relationships and just like we shed skin and hair we yep. shed relationships and it's part of the natural course of life so i think that you know we get these beliefs and these limiting beliefs out of our system of of what we should be looking for and what we should do and how we should be rather than what's really healthy like you've explained and you've demonstrated in your own relationship people will have a much better chance at finding partnership where somebody meets them where they are absolutely well said. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jackie. This is a fantastic conversation. Tell our audience where they can find you. I'm at JackieChioto.com and Facebook, Instagram, same thing. Jackie Chioto, Facebook, Jackie Chioto, one Instagram and listeners out there. If you are interested in doing a hypno session, I'm offering $50 off the session or a mm. package. And then my email, JackieChioto at yahoo.com. If any listeners want to email me or anybody you send my way, Sandy, I'd be happy to give them a 15 minute hypno recording just to kind of 
just a general recording. Uh, the sessions are much more specific to the individual, but it's a nice way to just start relaxing into that ideal uh, belief that you want to carry forward about relationships, because I think there's so much that we have all been exposed to that isn't really healthy or functional long term. Um, but I just want the listeners to know that you all have the power to shift those beliefs. And both Sandy and I are here to support you in doing that, because I do believe we all deserve to feel loved, to feel safe and to feel worthy of the ideal relationship we'd like to call in. Just to be clear, it's $50 off a hypnosis package by mentioning Last First Aid Podcast. Yes. Emailing you at JackieChiodo at yahoo.com. Was the recording a free recording? Yes, free okay. recording downloads, 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And just a general sort of kind of intro to relaxation and hypnosis and how it works, but also starting to prime those those deeper mind beliefs with the hope and possibility of love and a functional, healthy relationship. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. And I love the work you're doing. You're doing fantastic work in the world. Keep, keep it up. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please give us a great rating and review on Apple podcasts. We really appreciate it. It helps our podcast grow even larger. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.